0: He says, uh, to stand embraced by the shadows of a friendly tree with the wind tugging at your coat and the heavens hailing your heart to gaze and glory and to give oneself again to God. What more could a man ask? Oh, the fullness, pleasure, and sheer excitement of knowing God on earth. Mm. Welcome back uh, to A Word of Grace. Today is Friday, and uh, we're happy to finish um, the middle part of Jim Elliott's life as we're reading through Shadow of the Almighty, and these are what we would call like the preparation years, yes. okay, where he's, yes. he's um, praying, discerning God's will, wanting to know uh, what the future holds, and then next week, we'll actually talk about the third part of his life, which deals with his um, ministry in Ecuador, his marriage, and then, obviously, the conclusion. And we finished the book, and you were sharing with me that you were just moved by...
1: Mm -hmm. by, I was was saying that if if a person could read this book and not be moved, uh, his heart is is dead. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Just how this man loved the Lord, how this man uh, was given to the Lord, and how the Lord so mightily used him... And ultimately, he fulfilled his own prophecy of a short life, but a full life.
0: We've mentioned that a lot, and oh, I got a bubble in my throat. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and and just as a disclaimer, again, this is a flawed person. Yes, we absolutely we, we look to him as a and to his wife as as great examples of the Christian faith, mm-hmm. but. Flawed, as we all are. Amen. And Amen. and that's we're not we don't have to keep saying that. We just we just know that to be the case. The most well known part of Jim Elliott's life is the slaughter that he and his four uh, fellow workers, fellow missionaries, endured um, on the Curaray River in Ecuador. This book doesn't deal with a whole lot of that. In mm-hmm. fact, you come to the last page, and it says. He met the Akas, and they killed him. Mm-hmm. And the book ends. And she suggests reading "Through Gates of Splendor" for the rest of the story. And I, I like that for us because we, we were talking about it just beforehand. That 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 tends to be the the movie like story that everybody mm-hmm. enjoys. Right? Not that we enjoy the death, of course, but that's that's what draws us in the 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 horrific nature and the and of course. The gospel goes to those folks after their death. But what we're trying to get at is how does a person get to that point? What happens in a person's life that brings them to the point of being willing to die? And and as you mentioned, he's talking about that throughout his life in his journals, about his willingness to die. Um, So what I want to highlight on this episode uh, is, uh, and again, this is the last of his preparation, is delighting and depending on God. Um, Derek, could I ask you to to describe your thoughts on this verse, Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. First of all, if you could share how that verse is misapplied and then what it really means. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, well,
1: the misapplication of this particular uh, verse is uh, where the individual believes that uh, whatever they ask for in the Lord, they're going to get. Uh, And that's not at all what this this verse is talking about. And I have to cheat a little bit, and I think of what uh, uh, Jim Elliott himself said, that uh, our delight is actually in alignment with the will of God. The closer we get to God in communing with him and studying his word and knowing who he is and knowing his will, that becomes our desire. And that is what God fulfills. That is the the delight that ultimately comes about in in our lives. Yeah. So it obviously doesn't mean, hey, if I love God,
0: he's going to give me everything I want.
1: No, no.
0: It it actually is the idea that as you delight in God, your desires begin to be aligned, as you said, with his will. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a couple of places in his accounts where he mentions especially through creation and nature Mm -hmm. being overcome with his delight in God. And and this portion right here uh, in his journals as a 23-year-old man, um, as he's looking um, at the mountains, I believe it's the Ozarks when he was in Oklahoma. I may not be right about that, but um, he says, uh, "'To stand embraced by the shadows of a friendly tree with the wind tugging at your coat and the heavens hailing your heart.'" To gaze and glory, and to give oneself again to God—what more could a man ask? Oh, the fullness, pleasure, and sheer excitement of knowing God on earth! Mm. What more could a man ask? I mean, what are men and women asking for today? Are they mm. asking for this, Derek?
1: Well, I think they're—they're uh, they're asking, but I, in many ways, but they're asking amiss because. Mm. Uh, obviously, God has blessed us with good things in His mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to look at it, 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 it's it's a marvel. But the reality is, people want to squander that beauty and the blessings of creation upon their own lusts, yeah. heap it upon their own lusts, so they ask amiss. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think?
0: I mean, we both were talking earlier about we just see this person as being an impressive figure for Christ and his again flawed but his his goal is to delight have his most supreme delight be in god um really really the idea is only god matters and everything else is is secondary Mm. um how can we how can we reach more for that or are there some scripture verses that come to mind that would help instruct us on this so that earthly things become less important, mm-hmm. and God becomes a greater delight. Or I, I, I maybe I'm not asking the question right, and we don't do any preparation. I throw these questions at mm-hmm. you on the sp- on spontaneously, but I guess, how can we work to take greater delight in God? We're trying to apply some of these principles from His life. How can I delight in God in a greater way, or how can people who are listening? I want to delight in God more. What
1: what would be some? Well, the first thing uh, we have to do is know our God, and there's only one way to do that, and and, and that way. Well, actually, there's two ways, but primarily the way is to read His Word uh, and apply it to our lives, to apply it, uh, apply it to every aspect of our lives. But then another important component, and it was something that He did constantly, and that was communicate with his master. Sure, it, it was a constant. It wasn't a thing to where he even said, I'm going to have a set time of prayer. Uh, based upon his journals and, and what we had an opportunity to read, he was constantly talking to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So by... Uh, finding out who God is, first of all, in his word, and then secondly, communicating with him and then allowing his Holy Spirit to communicate in our hearts, I think that's going to lay the very foundation for all that we need to do.
0: Yeah. So true or false, if if I'm not delighting in God, uh, is it because I'm treasuring some other delight? In a, in a greater way, yes, sure. okay, so what are some of those delights? Do you think that are pitfalls for the Christian? Again, we're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about people who have received Christ but aren't treasuring
1: him in the way they should. what are What are some of those other delights? Okay, that I, I, I don't like to to use uh, slogans, but and I may not be quoting this uh, uh, correctly, but uh, I've heard many teachers say that uh, Christians are often too enamored uh, by the gift as opposed to being in love with the giver. And I think that those blessings can come in many forms. And unfortunately we even have a denomination that, that more or less their very foundation is to, uh, to expect God to be their personal treasure chest. Mm -hmm. And so these particular things, no matter what it is, if it's money, if it's houses or land, uh, any of the things in the created order, uh, most of these things have supplanted God, and then we begin to imitate the unbeliever who worships creation more than the creator. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, if I hear what you're saying, it's almost as if we need to look past the gift to the giver of yes, the gift. Yes, absolutely. Some scriptures came to mind that, yes, God has given us all things richly to enjoy, but every good gift comes down from the Father. Amen. And and so we need mm-hmm. to look past the gift uh, to him. Um, so delighting in him and depending on him. I, w- I want to talk a little bit about depending on God. In what ways, as you read uh, his life's account... Do you see him being an example of having complete dependence on God for his life and ministry? Does anything jump to uh, mind? My... One
1: thing that I found very, very uh, beautiful even was the fact that he never put his desires, or even his uh, his wants, his desires, his ambitions before the will of God. He always put those things before the Lord, but in essence, he said what Jesus Christ said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I think that 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 should be our motto, more or less, that we as believers should always say, no matter what it is we're doing, we should be saying, Lord, uh, it's my desire to do this, but not my will, but Your will be done. Yeah. And I think that that was the most beautiful thing. Uh, he always sought the Father's will, and we saw that uh, uh, in, in a great way as it came to his uh, wanting to be married. He was saying, "I love her," <laughs> and you could see you could see his burgeoning love for uh, for his wife uh, or his wife to be. But he was saying, "Lord, if this is not Your will," It doesn't matter what I feel.
0: That really came across in these last few chapters before they got married. Uh, as we said in another episode, he seemed like a big talker as far yes. as, you know, I'm going to go without a wife, etc. Mm-hmm. But then, especially in his journals, which uh, exposes his true self, Right. he is just, he wants this woman as right. his wife. There's Very no question. So. He is yes. passionately in love mm-hmm. with her. But he always, as you mentioned, he always has the caveat, Mm. like, Mm. if this Mm. isn't, if this is not your will, and I think he says something like, was there one place where he felt weepy about it, and he said something like God never wastes a tear or God never denies Mm -hmm. us something Mm -hmm. uh, that is for our good. I think a Mm -hmm. verse is that he, you know, no good thing will he withhold Withhold from from those who walk uprightly. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk more about his relationship there with Elizabeth later, but um, regarding his dependence on, in ministry, okay, Mm -hmm. so in general, Mm -hmm. his life is dominated, as you said, by that thought, not my will, but yours be done. What about in his preaching ministry, his teaching ministry, uh, were there quotes or comments or thoughts that came home to you as far as even his admitting uh, his own skill wasn't enough, he's dependent on God mm-hmm, for growth, mm-hmm, anything
1: mm-hmm. there? Well, uh, I think I have to generalize here, but the uh, the reality is is he did not do anything uh, more or less without the sanction of the Lord, uh, even in his preaching and teaching. And, and, and there's the other side of it to where he didn't just rely upon God or he wasn't just depending dependent upon God to do it. He prepared himself for it. He studied God's sure. Word. And he did what was necessary from a human perspective to preach and to teach and to carry out ministry. But ultimately, he did all of that uh, totally dependent on the Lord. Uh,
0: Part part of being in ministry or having a teaching ministry as you do, I wondered if you could relate to his feelings after teaching and preaching a lot. There were times where he said... Mm There were times where he said I was teaching or preaching whether it be in the prisons here in America or when he began the school in uh, Shandia, Ecuador, and he would say things like I can't even I was up there and I felt like stopping, he would say. Right. I, I didn't even right. have a word to say. And then he said, and I don't I don't think the people could even grasp that I had nothing to say, so I don't know if that says something about them as listeners or me as a speaker. Mm-hmm. He talked about not feeling the power of the Spirit, right, right. even though he was prepared. I, mm-hmm. that, really, that really rung a bell in my thinking, because there's times when I'll walk away from the platform and be like, what in the world did I say? Right. Um, and he was always saying things like, if God doesn't move and God mm-hmm. doesn't speak, right, then all right. is in vain. I, cool. I really like that. And, and that's true. That's... He, he talked about not wanting to be the center of attention in preaching. Um, Psalm fifty-one, verse fifteen: "Lord, open my lips." Was a prayer of his. Uh, this is another thing that I I really appreciated because this is a tendency in the pulpits today. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot said that Jim was always offended by preachers who began their sermons with a joke. With a joke, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what the tendency of preachers is today is to is they think they need to grasp. Or grab rather the congregation's attention, and if I'm listening to a sermon and it begins by like the story is told of a person who and and they it starts with a long drown out joke that doesn't really have any pertinent illustration. Uh, I, I I agree with that. I I thought his dependence on the word of God to do the work of God was evident, and in in many ministries today preaching has become a form of entertainment right. where a joke mm-hmm. leads it off and then an emotional crescendo reaches the end with a poem or some platitude and he was dependent he, he wanted to be out of the way he wanted god's word to be the star Amen. what did you just yeah, write down and,
1: there i was just thinking as you said that and this i thought about this while we while i was reading is that when men do that they literally usurp the authority of the holy spirit it's the holy spirit's job to to grasp the heart it's the holy spirit's job to, job to open the heart it's just your job as an instrument of god to preach what his word says you're not even responsible for the outcome of it that's a relief you know and that is indeed a relief so but uh, uh, the person that thinks that they have to prime the pump is actually saying, I can do it better than the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
0: And that can be applied to other people. This is not just a pastoral or a teaching principle, but when we have opportunity to share the gospel with other people, the focus should be giving them the Word of God. Sure, And sure. and so much of ministry today is inviting people to church, mm-hmm. especially to an event, which mm-hmm. uh, great, but it, there needs to be a presentation of the Word of God. The That's Word right. of God needs to be. If the...
1: If, if the Word of God is not preached, then all is lost. Sure. Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Not, faith does not come by a, a song or someone telling a joke or uh, someone doing what they call sacred dance or whatever. It only comes by hearing the unadulterated Word of God. Have you ever done sacred dance? Oh, absolutely not. I don't know if any of our listeners would
0: be interested in a fundraiser for Derek's sacred dance. (laughs) Uh, But if so, uh, (laughs) we we might put something like that together. um, Yeah, so that's just another another indicator of his dependence upon God. One last thing. We just have a few minutes um, regarding his dependence and delighting on God, and that's kind of been our theme here. Uh, He mentions again in his journals that there are two great forces that moved him. One,
1: the fear of God. Mm. Two, the grace of God. Can you Amen. speak to that for just a Amen. minute? What what wonderful bookends those are. Uh, the, the fear of God. And this is not shaking in your boots fear. This is recognizing the awesome God that we serve and reverencing him and his word. And then relying upon that grace. I think of what, what uh, Paul uh, was was told to say by the Lord after he uh, asked for these, the uh, thorn in the flesh to go away. He said, his grace is sufficient. So we have to remember that. Number one, we fear the Lord we serve. We reverence the word we preach. And we rely upon the grace of God who uh, w- who has the ability to change man's heart, not us. We can't do anything yeah, yeah. apart from him and his grace. The- the thing
0: we want to do as we as we slide towards the end is take these, applic- it's take these principles from this man's life and make sure that people just, there has to be some sort of application. I really like what he said regarding the fear of grace of God and how you just expanded on that. He mentioned in his journals that the fear of God was a restraint. In other words, mm. he didn't want to do evil. Right. But the grace of God motivated him to do good. Amen. It, it is, we don't do good in order to receive grace, we have received grace, so that motivates us to do to good. Do good. Amen. And and these two, as you said, bookends are are great. And, and that, when we say, how do I delight in God? Here's two attributes of God that should spur on that delight Amen. and dependence. Um, Isaiah 58, I want to read a passage to you, Derek, get your response on that, and then we'll be done. Another... Sp- we we talked about specific ways to increase our delight in God, and you brought it back to what we always bring it back to, which is uh, being in his word and being in prayer, like mm-hmm. hearing from him and talking to him. Th- those, those are the non-negotiable things. But listen to what Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14 say, and I know I'm just throwing it at you, just your initial response. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure... On my holy day, and you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Now, before I ask a question, we know that we don't celebrate the Sabbath, but we do believe there's a sacredness to the Lord's day. It's yes. Friday. Mm-hmm. We always encourage people on Sunday. What what in your mind does this passage teach about the importance of giving a day unto the Lord that it might increase our delight? So in other words, how for you has prioritizing the Lord's day been
1: a been a source of your delight in God? Well, I would look at it this way, uh all throughout the week, yes, we can have times of of studying his word, praying, Meeting with people, evangelizing, doing all these different things. But we have to couple that with all of the the necessities of life, you know, working at home or maybe working on a job. Sunday becomes not a, a, a day of ritual, but it becomes a day to where everything else shuts down or needs to shut down. And there was a time in the past where Sunday did shut down and it was given to the Lord. And so as a result of that, your, your focus is completely on the Lord. You're concentrating on what He does, what He has done, what He's doing in your life. You hear His words, you're fellowshipping with His people. And I think that it has it, it enhances my life every week because uh, it's like having new life breathed into my heart for the coming week.
0: Yeah, it's it's that rhythm of reminding yourself of what is priority Amen. and it's not, it's not a ritual. It is a, it is, I like the word rhythm. It's a rhythm of, again, the world fades away and God is brought to the forefront. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. in that passage in Isaiah, it's like, if you, if you would just give me that day and make it a delight and turn from your things, mm. then mm. you, your mm. delight will be mm. in the Lord. And maybe yes. this is a subject for us in the future, but we're gonna have to wrap it up today. We're, we're hitting the, the, uh, the time limit. Um, next week we will conclude. We will have three, uh, discussions as we move into the final phase of Jim Allen's life. Thank you, Derek, for all that you've shared today. Oh, thank you. Pastor. Um, and some have asked, uh, to give kind of a lead in to our next study. So if you wanted to get the book and read it with us, uh, so after that work, the, the next book we'll be studying together is called the whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson. And it's a study on, uh, legalism and gospel assurance. And we're looking forward to that. Mm. Um, so if you want to follow along, you can do that. Like we just said, uh, the Lord's Day is a couple of days away. And uh, be involved in your local church. Um, attend Sunday school. Go to morning and evening service uh, and, and use that as a means of growing your delight in God. Mm. And uh, we will, uh, Lord willing, talk to you again on Monday.